Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. guest speaker with us this morning. He's a friend, uh, known him for a few years. He's, he's from San Antonio. Uh, he and his wife, uh, his children, they, they, they made the drive uh, this morning, early this morning to be with us. And I believe that God is going to minister through him. Uh, he spoke uh, during our Spanish service and, and, and God used him. And I believe that he is going to be used once again here. So if you would just help me welcome my brother, Tony Acosta. Give him a good Numa welcome this morning. Woo-wee. Anybody glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? The Bible says this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Y'all, I hope that you have made the choice to rejoice today. Because the Bible says, let everything that has breath, praise the Lord. So if you're breathing today, you got a reason to be thankful. Hallelujah. I'm so glad. I'm so honored to be here with you today. Uh, thank you so much. The Bible says to give honor where honor is due. And so I want to honor. Could you give it up here, Pastor, for Professor Ryan? God bless you. Well, thank you so much. So grateful for the opportunity to be here to minister through the word. I'm here with my beautiful wife, Yvette. Uh, Say hello to everybody. We got some family here. Stephanie and Tim, hello. Glad to see y'all. And I'm here with my four kids. Let me show you. Let me show you. Oh, there they are. Those are my four kids. Lucas, Levi, Judah, and Camila, the little one with the fun-looking smile there at the bottom. She's a cutie. She loves to talk, man. That's my family, and they came with me, and I'm just, I'm glad to be here. I just wanted to to show them off because I'm grateful for them. I want to, before, before I go any further, before I go any further, I'd just like to invite you to pray with me and for me today that the Lord would move. I invite you to pray. Father, speak today. Do what you want in this place, Lord. Have your way holy spirit help me to get out of the way let every word that is spoken be under the unction and under the anointing and the power of the holy spirit lord i'm nothing without you i am nothing without you apart from you i have no good thing lord it's only because of you that we live and we breathe father we need to hear a word from you we can't afford to just have casual church we can't afford another day of casual christianity lord we need your power and our presence in our lives have your way today speak in the name of jesus and all god's people said Amen. Amen. God is good. I want to just do a quick survey before I move forward here today. A little sermonic survey, I've heard it called. Um, And I want to ask, how many of y'all struggle to get up when your alarm goes off in the morning? Like your alarm looks something like this on your phone. How many of those people do we have? Is that? Come on, be honest. You're in church, man. Come on. Okay. Okay, cool. Now, there's another group of people that I want to ask. How many of y'all, your alarm looks something like this? One, and you're up. 
Woo! I need a counseling session with you. I need some advice because I am in the other group of people. You know, I was, I'm reminded of when I was young and I was in high school. My mom used to have to help me because of this problem. Used to have to help me to get up in the morning. I had an alarm, but my mom was the, right, the final alarm. So the first, my mom would always come into my room, and the first time she would come in, she would come in so nice. She sounded so friendly. Mijo, mijo, it's time to get up. She would tickle my feet, mijo, and I was like, ah, ah, mom, leave me alone, mom. You know, you get bothered, and, and I would kind of get up and sit up in my bed, and, and I would wipe my eyes, and I would and I'd say, okay, mom, okay, mom, I'm ready. And then I would watch her, give a little side eye to watch her walk out of the room, feel the, the ceiling fan hit me, and, and I would feel the warmth of the, ooh, the warmth of the blanket. I would just lay back down, and I would start to fall back asleep. Then like clockwork, my mom would come back in after she seen me not getting ready, not moving around. She would come back in. This time, her voice was like a little more elevated, a little more stern. She was like, mijo, it's time to get up. And this time, she was armed, man. She was armed. And what I mean by that is I would, you, I would hear a and then my face would be hit with water because she hit me with one of those little water pistols. Anybody iron and have one of those water? My mom would hit me with, it, with that, not hit me with it, but she would hit me with the water from the water pistol. And, mijo, it's time to get up. Oh, ma, yama. And I would kind of wipe my eyes, wipe the eye boogers out of my eyes and the fried chicken and all that good stuff. And get it out. And I get up. Okay, mom, okay, mom, I'm, I'm getting ready. And I would give her again the side eye and watching her. She leaves the room, right? She'd leave my room. The last time my mom would come in, because I would lay back down, feel the ceiling. I'm going back to sleep. My mom just left. But my mom would go do her thing, right? She was getting ready for work. And um, the last time my mom would come in, she was not as friendly as she was the first two times. As a matter of fact, the next time my mom came in, she came in armed with the weapon that, uh, of choice of Latina moms across the world, okay? This weapon has straightened out more kids than uh, army drill sergeants have soldiers. I mean, this is the real, she would come in and I didn't, I was asleep, but I knew that she meant business because this time it wasn't, hey mijo, it's time, it was Acosta, she called me by my last name. Anybody get in trouble, you get called by your last name? Anybody's parents, Acosta, time to get up, and she would start hitting me with a chancla, with the chancla. She would let me have it, man. And I would, and that, by that time, I was getting up and I was running and I was, okay, mommy, I'm And I'm running around trying to not get hit. But the whole purpose, the whole reason that my mom was in there doing these things that I didn't really like, <laughs> but doing these things was so that I would get ready for where I was going. My mom wanted me to be ready woo, for where I was going. You see, sometimes there's things in our lives that happen that are difficult, that knock us down, that take the wind out of our sails, that cause us to get maybe laxed or in our walk with the Lord or to get lackadaisical. I know that this is probably for a different church, maybe the church across town, but I came here today to encourage you. I came here today to challenge you, and I came here today to 
provoke you lovingly that it's time that we get up in the name of Jesus to shake the dust off of your shoulders, to pick yourself up off of the floor, and to get up because God is getting you ready for where he is taking you. And despite all of the things that are happening in your life or that have happened in your life, despite all of the crazy upside backwards things that are happening in the world right now, I get an overwhelming sensation in my spirit that you and me and every single Jesus follower and the big C, not just this church, but the church, the body of Christ needs to get up in the name of Jesus, not from a reactive posture, but from a proactive posture that believes that we are the light of the world, that we are the salt of the earth that believes that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world that believes that no weapon and not someone that just says it but someone that lives like they believe that no weapon formed against me shall prosper that says I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation I wonder if there's anybody that believes that here today it's time that we get up And walk in the anointing, in the calling, and in the power of the Holy Spirit that God has called each and every one of us to walk in. Today we're going to be looking at the Word of God in Luke 7, 11 through 16. I want you to turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 7, 11 through 16. If you got it, say, I got it. And if you don't got it, I believe it's going to be on the screen. In the name of Jesus. Here's what the Bible says. It says, soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain. His disciples went with him, accompanied by a large crowd. As he approached the town gate, he saw a dead man. As a little words. Okay, we're good. As he approached the town, he saw a dead man being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said, Do not weep. Then he went up and touched the coffin, and those carrying it stood still. Young man, he said, I tell you, Get up. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. Then Jesus gave him back to his mother. A sense of awe swept over all of them, and they glorified God. I just want to say something real quick right here before I wrap up reading the passage. A sense of, do you still have a sense of awe when you are in the presence of the Lord? Do you still have a sense of awe after you read a, a story in the scriptures like this? Do you still have a sense of awe when you are in the presence of Almighty God? Or have we become so familiar 
with the presence of the Lord that we have lost that sense of awe. Oh, I pray today in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit that that sense of awe would return to your heart, that that sense of awe would return to your soul. And then like these people who just saw this dead man raised from the dead would glorify God. They said a great prophet has appeared among us. They said God has visited his people. Holy Spirit, speak today. Speak in the name of Jesus. The Bible doesn't say it, but I believe that part of the reason that the people who were carrying the buyer, the pallbearers, they were carrying the coffin, which is what it was, of this young man who had died, um, stopped was because Jesus walked up and touched it. And at that time, rabbis were not supposed to touch anything in a dead body. Because if they t- according to Mosaic law, if they would touch the dead body, they would be un- considered unclean or contaminated for seven days. But Jesus, Jesus breaks all the protocols. He walks up to the dead body and he heals and he restores this dead man to life. Woo, come on somebody. Uh, can I, I just want to tell somebody that Jesus is not afraid of the things in your life that you think are too contaminated, that you think are too dirty, that you think are too shameful. He's not afraid of those things in your life. And not only will he stop traffic to tend to your need, but he wants to come into those areas in your life. The ones that remind you of the pain, the ones that remind you of the shame, the ones that remind you of the hurt, those areas of your life. And he wants to come in and heal and he wants to restore those areas those areas that you hide from everybody else that nobody knows about God wants to come in and he wants to heal and restore those areas because we serve a miracle working God does anybody believe that we serve a miracle working God the Bible says he's the same yesterday today and forever Jesus breaks the protocol and touches this man Dr. Luke is the only one to record this miracle, this story about the widow. And I want to point out some details about the widow's story. This time in history, it was customary for a widow to be cared for by her sons. This son was the widow's only son, and he had died. I mean, the sons were responsible for hunting, for fishing, uh, for... um, Anything that you could think of, cleaning the house, taking care of their, they just took care of their mom. Everything around the house that you could possibly think of, the son was responsible for taking care of. Now, the word for widow in the Greek is a word that doesn't just translate as a woman who had uh, lost her husband or whose husband had died. Rather, it was a woman who had been left alone without help and abandoned. A woman who had been left alone without help and abandoned. You know, as I I was studying for this message, those words leapt out to me. They really did. And and the Lord sent me here today on assignment to remind somebody. You may already know this, but I want to remind somebody today who's been left alone. 
that you feel like you're abandoned, that you feel like you're without help. Maybe somebody walked out on you in your life. Maybe your husband, your wife walked out on you. Maybe you lost a loved one. Maybe, I don't know what it is, but you feel like you have been left alone and abandoned. I just want to remind you that God is present. God is with you. I know that it doesn't feel like it sometimes. I know that it feels like you're surroundings are telling you something different than what your present reality is but God is with you the Bible says in Psalm 46 he is an ever present help in the time of need God is with you I just want to remind somebody he's just with you and he loves you there's three things that I want to draw from the text that we can learn from this story in the book of Luke, the first one of those things is that God is always on time. God is always on time. Nothing God does is an accident. Nothing God does is an accident. And that will cook your noodle if you will, because it cooks mine, because there's some things that have happened in my life where I go, you know what, Lord, I think I would have done that a little bit differently. (laughs) Anybody been there before? Can I get an honest amen? Okay, yeah, yeah, but make no mistake about it, nothing God does is an accident. Nothing God does is coincidental. Nothing God does is coincidental. A few weeks ago, we commemorated, we remembered a great tragedy that happened in our country on September 11th. The towers were hit by two planes, and many people lost their lives. Many first responders lost their lives. But there are stories of people that that survived that day. That the things, the reason in the story that they survived seems coincidental. And I just want to share, allow me to illustrate. Let me just, let me just share some of, the, some of the stories here. One of them, for example, four friends who called in late for work because they stayed up the night before to watch a Giants game on Monday night. For, any Cowboys fans in here? No? No? Okay. Okay. We're going we're gonna to move on. Four friends who called in. Y'all are people of faith. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Four friends who called in late for work because they stayed up the night before to watch a Giants game on Monday night football. Missed being there when the planes hit. Another one says, on a routine day, Bud Flanagan would ride an elevator to a sky lobby on the 78th floor where he'd board another elevator for the 105th. He usually was at his desk by 7.45 a.m., but that Tuesday, he was running late. Two phone calls to his home that morning and a brief conversation. If not for them, Flanagan would have been in his corner office high up in World Trade Center that morning. Another one, I like this one. It says, I take the bus into Manhattan every day which leaves me about two blocks away from World Trade Center. 
Debbie Archimod said, the bus was running just a couple of minutes late. I was a little annoyed because I wasn't going to have enough time to read my newspaper at my desk before I started my day. As I was walking toward the World, World Trade Center, I decided to stop for a cup of coffee and a muffin at one of the street carts. I rarely do this anymore, but I hadn't eaten dinner the night before, so I was a little hungry. These two minuscule details, a late bus and a muffin, saved my life. Coincidental. Nothing God does is a coincidence. Sometimes there's things that happen in our lives, minor details that maybe annoy us. Anybody ever been there? God, what in the world? This dude just cut me off. Now I got cut in this traffic. Y'all know about traffic in Houston. I know about traffic. Something, some things may not be coincidence. Even though they annoy us or get to us, some things God may be using to preserve our life. So thank God, even in those moments when you are annoyed, give thanks to the Lord. Father, thank you. I don't know what is going on, and I am not happy, but I'm going to give you the praise anyway. Nothing God does is a coincidence. Everything God does is intentional. Everything. When you can see what God is doing, he's doing something. When you can't see what God is doing. He's doing something. When it feels like he's working, just like that song we sing, even when I don't, he's working. Even when you don't feel like he's working, he's working. When he's speaking to you, he's doing something. When he's not speaking to you, he's doing something. Nothing God does is coincidental. Everything he does is intentional and nothing surprises God. He is omniscient. That's just a fancy word that means that he knows everything. Everything. Thank you, Lord. So the fact that Jesus, going back to the story in Luke 7, the fact that Jesus, his disciples, and the crowd are walking on this path... On this road, in this town, at the exact moment in time with this funeral procession, with this young widow's son, is not an accident. And Jesus meets this woman in this time of anguish, in this time of grief, in this time of mourning, of extreme pain, and he shows her compassion. I just want to, I don't want to spend a lot of time here, but, but I just want to say that you can show compassion to someone. I don't know who this is for. Even if you don't agree with them, you can, oh man, we need more of this in the world. Just, you can show compassion to someone even if you don't agree with them. Jesus sat with Judas and ate with him right before he betrayed him. God knows where you are. Just like this woman walking down the road to bury her son. He knows where you are going. He knows what you are going through. And he knows where he is taking you. And make no mistake about it, our God is always on time. Now God's times tables (laughs) and our times tables 
are often very different, right? What we expect God to do and when we expect God to do it are often very different than what God does and when God actually does it. Can I get an amen? Anybody been there before? Isaiah 55 and 8 says it this way. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. Thank you, Jesus, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Thank you, Jesus. Our God has an eternal perspective on things. He sees things through a different lens than you and I do, but may no mistake about it. God is always on time. I'm reminded of a time when my wife and I went to Colorado. You remember that? No kids. We didn't have any children's yet. And um, if you have kids, you, you know that the trip is much easier when you, when you don't have any. And so at this time, we didn't have any kids <laughs> And we drove to Colorado, and we saw this horse ranch in this, um, in this. I think it was on the internet or on a flight, I don't remember. But we saw it, and so I said, man, we, hey, baby, you want to go? Yeah, let's go. Awesome. That's how we talked to each other when we were in Colorado. And uh, so we, <laughs> I don't know why, put it into the GPS. I said, let's go, babe. All right, cool. So we start driving, right? And GPS is directing us. Turn left, turn right, and we come to the base of, I'm going to call it a small mountain because I don't know where the line is between a small mountain and a big hill. If somebody does know, please let me know after, but for now, we're going to call it a small mountain. We start driving up this dirt, narrow road, and um, we're driving, and, and I'm thinking, okay, this is a little weird, right? Dirt, no, no barrier, right? No barrier, which makes it even better. So any small mistake, forget about it. So we're driving, listening to the GPS, still directing us. Okay, I think we're going the right way, right? We're dri- and I'm thinking, what in the world is going to happen if another car starts? There's not enough room on this road for the both of us. Do I reverse back down? How, what am I driving up the mountain? I, I didn't know what we were going to do, but we kept going, right? And finally, the GPS says we... we Land on, uh, we stop at a clearing and says, you have arrived at your destination. There's no horses and there is no ranch. There's just a clearing and I'm looking around and I'm going, babe, I don't think, I think we took a wrong turn, man. And you know what? I had no idea where I was going. I didn't, I had no idea where the GPS was taking me. And I wasn't sure if we were going to get there on time or they were going to close before we got there. I don't know what their hours were. But you know what I am thankful for? I am thankful that we don't serve a God that is unreliable like that GPS. Man, my God knows where you are going. He knows where he is taking you. And he will get you there on time. Come on, somebody. Thank you, Jesus, for GPS. The second thing that I want to share with you today is related to purpose. It speaks to purpose, and it's this. God has the final word. God has the final word. This young man's life was over. He's being carried in a coffin in a funeral procession. By all accounts, his life is over. This man's mom She's weeping. She's in mourning and grieving. 
thinks that this, her son's life is over. The people in the funeral procession think that his life is over. The crowd following Jesus thought that this man's life was over. The doctors whew, thought that this man's life was over. Even What's his name? Stevie Wonder and Ray Charles could tell that this man's life was over. I mean, his by all accounts, his life, even a blind man could see that his life was over. Oh, but God, but God had the final word because I know a man who rose again on the third day and who still heals, who still restores and delivers. You may think there's no hope for you. Your friends may think there is no hope for you. Your family may think that there's no hope for you. Your circle of influence may think there is no hope for you. Doctors may have told you there's no hope for you. (laughs) But my God, my God has the final word. Come on, somebody. Let faith rise up in you. God has the final word. God is not done with you yet. There are dreams in you that you thought were dead and gone and history. There are ideas that God has placed in you that you thought were dead and gone in your mind and in your heart. There are things that God has placed in your life, abilities and talents and skills that have lain dormant. The Lord sent me here today to tell you that he is speaking to those dead areas or those areas in your life that you thought were dead that look dead and he is saying get up in the name of Jesus get up I speak life to those dry bones the way that Ezekiel spoke life to the valley of dry bones the way that Jesus spoke to this widow's son to get up and he began to speak the way that Jesus spoke to Lazarus to come forth from the tomb get up in the name of Jesus there is a purpose for your life. God has placed you on the earth with a purpose and for a purpose. And as long as you have a pulse, God has a purpose. Hear me today. God is not done with you yet. The Bible says in Ephesians 2 and 10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for you to do. He has prepared some things for you to do. God is not done. There is a purpose for your life, despite what you've been told, despite what you've heard, despite the things that the naysayers around you are saying. There is not one of you in this room, I don't care what government says it, that is non-essential. Each and every one of you is essential and God has a purpose for your life because my God has the final word. The last thing I want to share is this. Get up and begin to speak. The third and final thing that I want to share with you is get up and begin to speak. Luke 7, 14 through 15 says this. Then he went up and touched the coffin, and those carrying it stood still. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. <laughs> 
And the dead man sat up and began to speak. God didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. And I'm so thankful for that. Sometimes we can get into an escapist mindset when you see all when people see all the things that are going on in the world and they start saying things like Jesus is coming back thank you Jesus come back soon and and I agree with that wholeheartedly I believe that Jesus I believe I believe we're living in the end times and that Jesus is coming back soon but another part of me says man there is a harvest of souls out here there are people who don't know Jesus there are people who have not surrendered their lives to Jesus we have have work to do. We have to get up and begin to speak in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Luke 4.18 says this. The spirit of, and I want to declare it over you today. It says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. He's anointed you to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent you to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free. Come on, is there anybody who believes that today? To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Get up and begin to speak. I want to read some statements to you that, that I heard once read by Dr. Miles Monroe. He's a powerful minister. Powerful minister. And these words have stayed engraved in my spirit. And they say this. They're an indictment, I believe, and a challenge for us to get up and begin to speak. First one says, hear me. Fools multiply when wise men are silent. Evil men succeed when righteous men do nothing. Darkness rules when light is absent. Hiding in your church buildings will destroy your nation. Staying in your prayer meetings will corrupt your nation. I didn't say going to prayer meetings. It says staying in your prayer meetings. We are called to be the light of this world. We are the salt of the earth. It's time for the church to get up and to speak up because each and every one of us who has surrendered our lives to Jesus, we are ambassadors for the kingdom of God. We are representatives for the kingdom of God. We're called to walk in and to carry the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit everywhere that we go. The Bible says that the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in each and every one of us who call ourselves Jesus followers. That is some power. Come on, somebody. We cannot afford to play church anymore. This can't just be another social gathering. This can't just be just another service, another run-of-the-mill service. It can't just be another box that we check off our to-do list. I come here today to remind you who you are and who you are called to be and to lovingly shake you in the name of Jesus.
just to say, get up. I know that you've been hurt before. I know that it may hurt right now, but it's time that we get up in the name of Jesus. I know that life may have knocked you down, but it's time that we get up. Come on, you may have, you may be struggling right now, but it's time that you get up, not because you have it all together or because of who you are, but because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, because no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. We have to live like we believe this book and that we believe that it will do what it says it will do. It's not enough just to have church as usual, to settle for a half-hearted, I'll make time for God if I have time, Christianity. Pastor Sam Rodriguez said it this way. He says, Kumbaya Christianity died with COVID. It's that, that time has passed. I, listen, I'll only speak up if somebody provokes me or if somebody asks me if I'm a Christian. Christian, That time has passed. We have to get up and begin to speak. Listen, I've heard people say, I don't know if normal is coming back. Y'all seen that little thing on, on maybe on social media. I don't know if normal is coming back, but I know who is coming back. Jesus is coming back. So it's time that we get ready and that we get up and begin to speak. He's coming back for a holy, whoo, come on, for a blameless church, spotless church. Hallelujah. We have to get up and begin to speak the truth in a world full of lies. We have to be the church that God has called us to be. Get up and begin to speak. I want to invite you to stand with me as I begin to close. I want to invite the worship team to come as well. Listen, we all, we all go through things that are difficult in our lives where we feel like we are knocked down. We go through difficulties. The Bible says both Christians and non-Christians will go through these things. It says the rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. The difference between the Christ follower, the Christian, and the non-Christian is the way that we come out of those difficulties. Four years ago, um, I got knocked down. Life knocked me down. Uh, I was... Driving home from church after having led, led worship. Thank you, baby. After having led worship at our church. And um, my son had asked me if he, if he could go in the front seat with me. My oldest, who's now 10, he was 6 at that time. He said, Dad, can I go in the front seat with you? And I said, immediately I said, no. You don't have your car seat, whatever. Somehow they convinced me. And he came in the front with me. We're driving home, going 70 miles an hour. We lived about 20 minutes out from, from our house, from church. And, um, and my son's sitting in the front seat. We're driving 70 miles an hour, going home. We're about five minutes out from my house. And it's just me and him. My wife was in the minivan behind us with the rest of the little rugrats. And, uh, and a hex nut, about this size, flew through my windshield. Broke my windshield. It hit me on my top jaw. It broke it in four places. It fractured my bottom jaw, split my lip in two, and it knocked out 11 teeth. Seven on the top, four on the bottom. I was bleeding profusely, and my son was yelling. He was excited just a few moments before then. He was yelling, terrified. I don't know what I'd do if I had ever seen my dad in that condition that he saw me in. 
There's blood running down my face. I think one of two things is going to happen. I'm either going to pass out from the blood loss or I'm going to die from blood loss. By the grace of God, my son told me later that my hands fell from the steering wheel. They kind of just dropped to my side. I'm parted. I'll make time and for God I, if I have time. There you, I know that guy. I know that guy. So I'm, uh, my hands dropped from the steering wheel. And, um, and then I came to, I saw double. I remember seeing double. And then all of a sudden I saw single again. And I was able to pull over by the grace of God. I didn't get in a worse accident. I, I got hit and I pulled over to the side of the road. And there was a man who stopped behind me in a white truck. And he, he said something had hit him, but there wasn't damage like there was to my truck or his person himself. And he, uh, he gave me a white towel and, and put it over my face. And I was kneeling on the side of the road bleeding uh, and waiting for my wife and, and she got there and she called EMS and, uh, and they picked me up and they took me to the hospital and thank God, thank God, thank God, thank God that I'm alive today. So it took one year of recovery, four surgeries, a whole lot of hours in a dentist chair. I'm an amateur dentist now. Um, but because of all the time that I spent and all the jargon I learned, and I am so thankful to be $40,000. Some people ask me why, why I smile a lot, and it's because this grill cost me $40,000. Are you kidding me? Don't lose your teeth if you can help it. Don't lose your teeth. $40,000, they put implants, and um, by the grace of God, I, I'm alive today, and I'm so thankful to be alive because my, my wife has her husband. My children have their father. I remember there were three or four doctors that came into the room and they looked at me and if you're squeamish I, I want to invite you to turn away I'm going to show a picture of what I look like um, that's it that's a picture I don't know if you could see it real good but I'm pretty tore up and it still makes me cringe when I look at it but the, I remember three or four doctors coming into the room and they told me hey uh, Mr. Acosta you know, people who come in to the hospital in the condition that you are in, the way that you look, and they're, they're not alive. They're not alive. They don't survive. The trauma. I learned that your top jaw can take the most blunt force on your entire body. doctor said if it had hit me any higher or lower it would have killed me it would have broken my nose and shattered would have shattered my windpipe and it would have killed me that day i said you know the difference between christians and non-christians is the way that we come out of the difficulties i shouldn't have according to these doctors i, I shouldn't have walked out of that hospital alive but god but god had the final word The fiery furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they weren't supposed to walk out of that alive. But God, the lions in the lion's den with Daniel, Daniel should not have walked out of there unharmed. But God, giants aren't supposed to fall when you fling a rock at them with a slingshot. But God, Seas don't part when you raise your hand at them. 
but God. And dead men do not come out of their grave after having been crucified and been in that grave for three days. They do not walk out of the grave. But the, and the Bible says, here's the great thing. I want to remind you, the Bible says that the same spirit that raised that crucified man from the grave is alive in each and every one of us in this place that call ourselves Jesus followers. And listen to me, God is not using the difficulties in your life or the things that have hurt you in your life to destroy you or to hurt you. He is using them to prepare you for where he is taking you. God is not done with you yet. I know that things may be difficult right now, but God is not done with you yet. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.